Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Uplift. Today we have Bishop John Keenan joining us in studio to talk about the importance of defending life within the Catholic Church. Bishop John, thank you for joining us in our studio today on Uplift. Could you share um, uh, more with us about what exactly the Catholic Church teaches on abortion? Well, what the Catholic Church teaches on abortion is really what the Catholic Church teaches on, on life, mm -hmm. on the, the sanctity of life, which is that, um, that every human being is a direct creation um, from God and that we are created not just body but we're created soul and spirit and, and all together uh, each one of us uniquely created by God because uniquely loved by God uh, coming from his love destined to live for all of eternity mm. in his love and, and to live in uh, love in this world uh, and so uh, every human being belongs to God. Yes. Uh, every human being, because we're created in the image and likeness of God, um, we have a unique and inalienable dignity, which is expressed in, in human rights, the idea that uh, every human being is has unique and inviolable, inalienable rights. That really comes from the Judeo-Christian mm. tradition, wasn't found really in a, any other mm. culture. So therefore, if that's the case, then we are not entitled mm. to take away uh, something, God's life, it's, it's sacred. Mm. And despite this clear um, pro-life teaching, Catholics for Choice uh, is a campaigning organisation which claims to be, um, th that abortion is in fact a Catholic value. Uh, and Catholic Cho for Choice tells us that um, when navigating church teaching that one can use their own conscience as the ultimate authority. Um, Bishop John, how would you respond to an organisation like Catholics for Choice? Uh, thank God, I don't think they're that representative mm -hmm. of Catholicism. So probably the first thing um, to say is for us to put that into perspective. Um, uh, the Catholic Church almost by word association is, um, is associated with pro-life, with the sanctity of life. You see that um, recently when the Dobbs decision came out in the US overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, that was a decision of the Supreme Court. It was a, a constitutional decision. But, but most of the negativity was directed at Catholic churches. Catholic churches were, were vandalised and the like. So I think pretty much across the board, 99% uh, the, the Catholic Church and, and Catholics associate them positively with pro-life. So there is, there are in any huge organisation like the Catholic Church, there will always be um, small sorts of marginal um, groups. Um, yeah. I think maybe they base themselves on an idea of conscience, which isn't a Catholic idea of conscience. Okay. Um, conscience doesn't mean um, that I am entitled to think what I like and mm -hmm. to to do as I please. Conscience is, is, is a much more weighty thing. That conscience is about the search for the for the truth that uh, as Catholics we expect to find in, in, in God's word, which is mediated through through the church. So um, I think um, I, I think at the heart of uh, these kinds of groups is 
is a, it's probably a catechetical thing maybe for them to understand a little bit more what's the true nature of conscience and what's a, what's a, a false idea of it. False idea indeed. And what advice would you give to a Catholic uh, person who does have pro-abortion beliefs? So that's I think what you might find among um, some Catholics would be a kind of a, a softer thing. You wouldn't find many I don't think who would be saying I'm I, I'm 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 a Catholic for choice and, and joining one of those organisations. But certainly, um, because there is a very you could call it a relentless uh, media um, a sure. position, which really essentially will will focus quite often on on hard cases, which thank God are quite exceptional. Yeah. They'll talk about things like um, um, rape or incest or things yeah. that I worry about. Someone becomes uh, pregnant through that or underage or, or what have you. Um, you know, thank God those are uh, less than 2% uh, mm. of, of abortions, 90-99% of abortions uh, aren't about those things. But I, I think what I would say is um, to, to, to Catholics who might wonder or worry about things like, um, uh, like uh, rape or incest, mm. I would say, look, there's always a better choice than abortion. Mm. Nobody, virtually no one, thinks abortion is a good thing in itself. Many people will say it's a necessary evil. Mm. Well, if it's a necessary evil, let's do all we can to take away the evil. Mm. Let's work as hard as we can to provide uh, a, a women in difficulty with a better choice mm. uh, than abortion. Many women say, if I had a better choice, I'd have taken it. True, indeed. Um, and so abortion is, of course, a controversial issue which divides opinion. I think it is the impression that some priests avoid discussing abortion in case they alienate parishioners or cause tension in their parish. Do you believe that this is the, this is the case? I think one of the things to... to um, I think it's a good thing for us to understand. Certainly when I was a parish priest, this, this certainly became um, obvious to me that... Uh, the parish is m much bigger reality than mass or in the homily. Uh, so there's lots of different ways as a parish priest in a parish you can um, promote mm. um, the sanctity of life and the pro-life message. You can establish a pro-life group in your parish for those who want to be involved and those who want to get involved. Many parishes, my cathedral parish once a month has a, a pro-life coffee morning on Sundays. And um, uh, the message is always this in the parish, uh, that, that message, which was a lovely message from the Irish pro-life movement. We love them both. Mm. So pro-life means to have a parish that's maybe raising money for a liette, for mm. a new baby, doing work maybe to help the, the pro-life initiative, the cardinal winning pro-life initiative, for women who want to have uh, their, their babies but uh, need special help. Um, to, to have lots of different things on in your parish, which maybe not necessarily associated with coming to, to Mass. Yeah. Um, and then, but also, uh, I mean, this is also a political issue, so those things are all important. But um, really to, to uh, try to get across to Catholics in the wider context of Catholic social teaching, yeah. that um, the social teaching of the Church yeah. goes from um, being pro-life to being... Um, a, a anti the death penalty to be anti-nuclear weapons is all one seamless web and I think if we try to get that in the context of the the seamless web of of Catholic social teaching then we can have 
um, this uh, this context for for pro-life, which is mm. in the wider context of the of the gospel value of life. Indeed. And what advice would you give to priests on how to integrate their pro-life advocacy into their homily? Well, so uh, the the thing about it is, the people are n- never really at peace if they think there's something that the priest isn't speaking about. Uh, we, we don't, uh, the Catholics don't like elephants in the room. They don't like to think there's something we're all not talking about. Yeah. Now, having said that, um, they can be disappointed if it's spoken of badly. Uh, that uh, it, So I think, as Pope Francis says, if a priest has the smell of the sheep, then he really understands who's in front of him. He knows them personally. He may well know their their situation. So to know the people and then to speak well on a subject, any priest who's speaking uh, about pro-life issues will, will be uh, aware just yeah. simply by, by the statistics in the country. I mean, sadly, this year we, we reached 10 million abortions in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. since the Abortion Act. So the chances are that there may be um, parishioners who are in front of you as you're preaching yeah. who are affected by abortion, but number one, mercy. Yeah. Number one, that, that God is full of mercy and that leads to um, hope. Mm. Uh, the, there could be a number of survivors of abortion, uh, male or female in, your, in the congregation, uh, uh, who are hurting mm. terribly, terribly. And, and when, whenever, when we're silent about it, we're not helping them. So it's to find a way of speaking about it, which gives them hope um, of, of healing and then again in the wider context of the of the the parish to to be able to introduce things like Rachel's Vineyard yeah. which is a terrific healing ministry for women who have who are post-abortive which is um, led by by women who are post-abortive mm. and who give a good testing of how um, they found healing and were able then to be useful instruments of the, the pro-life movement. Yes, indeed. Um, and the abortion advocates are really desperate to try and stamp out pro-life um, presence from society. You know, abortion activists in Scotland are attempting to ban pro-life vigils. And even more extreme than that, um, Bournemouth Council is trying to um, ban specific forms of prayer near abortion facilities, including audible prayers, gen- genuflection, even making the sign of the cross. Um, why do you think uh, abortion advocates want to ban pro-life vigils and more so what do you think of Bournemouth um, Council's specific targeting of Christian prayer? Well when I, I was um, at university, not yesterday, not the day before, <laughs> in the 1980s and I was um, studying law and the philosophy of law and the one number one reality that was really drummed home to us was the right to freedom, mm. right? The right to freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of expression. That time was just yeah. post the Cold War. It wasn't even post the Cold, Cold War, it's the, the mid-80s. And uh, the West always saw itself as over and against um, Soviet communism, that it saw as oppressive and uh, denying totalitarian denying yeah. um, freedom and so in the West we said we are not like that right mm-hmm. we are not like that because in the West you're free yeah. and the state can only limit your freedom for a really serious mm-hmm. reason I am flabbergasted 
that in one generation, one generation, we are beginning from a premise, you're not free unless you can justify to us that what you're doing is allowable, good or virtuous. So this isn't this, this thing about prayer uh, in public and outside um, abortion centres and hospitals. This isn't a religious matter. This is a matter about the freedom of the citizen against the overreach of the state. So I think um, I think that's that's the heart of it. So I would I don't really speak about um, prayer so much. I wouldn't say that the Bournemouth Council is attempting to to outlaw prayer. Okay. What what I would say is attempting to outlaw legitimate freedom of a citizen. It's just not allowed to do mm. that. Now, why do they do it? I think a number of reasons. Um, anyone's guess. Uh, I, I do think uh, that it, the way it is set up, this narrative is set up, it's almost as though, uh, initially it was set up as though the pro-life vigils were, were harassing at women who were who were going to uh, for uh, for abortions, it, in fact, it, you, you'll see now that the debate is moving away from that because, they're, they're not by any stretch of the imagination, can it be legally defined as harassment? Mm. Uh, and so now they're looking for because there's lots of legislation that is um, uh, deals with harassment. The police aren't looking for any more powers to deal with these vigils. So now they've moved further. They're saying, okay, it's not harassment, but um, you shouldn't hurt the feelings of, of the women. Now, in Glasgow, it wasn't women who were going to um, the, the, the hospital who made the complaint. It was um, medics in the hospital. Okay. And I think what's happening is that there are um, some parts of the medical profession who are, um, I think that the vigils are beginning to get to their conscience. Mm. And, I, and I just think they wish they weren't there. That's a good point. And I think that's as much as anything yeah. uh, to do with it. Yeah, that needs to be said more, I think. And despite holding pro-life values, there are many Catholics who are fearful about publicly expressing their views or getting involved with pro-life advocacy work. And um, what you know, advice or words of encouragement would you give to those who are pro-life but struggle maybe to get involved with pro-life advocacy? So, um, I think St Thomas More is always my uh, great example, isn't he? Uh, Thomas More, um, I mean, I, I think it's, the, the, what drove uh, St Thomas was, was the truth, that, that he, he could never abandon the truth reality Mm. of things but but his method was number one prudence that he wouldn't do anything that was imprudent so i probably say number one if you are um, pro-life first of all be prudent mm. you know um don't put yourself try to avoid a situation where you unnecessarily um put yourself yeah. in harm's way right so maybe you know just to be aware of that but once you once once you ha you have done that, so watch the sort of social media posts that you might put up, just in case someone out there is going to report it to your employer, and it could get you into all sorts of difficult situations. So be aware of your rights. Mm. 
there have been a, a couple of cases recently that have gone through the UK courts that have now clarified what's legitimate okay. um, to post and what's what's perfectly. So be aware of, of what's what's legitimate to post and and uh, 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 and I mean legitimate that that's, there's not going to be a, a comeback. Once you've done that, St Thomas then realised, well, well, in the end you have to be courageous. Mm. You know, in the end, um, you could be as prudent as you like, but yeah. but sometimes sometimes you have to, uh, as Jesus says, you know, in, in Matthew's gospel, uh, you know, I was hungry and you yeah. you you did or you didn't give me to yeah. food. Well, he could equally say I was an an unborn child and you you were or you weren't my voice. So I think in the end we have to speak up. But how do we do that? Um, I remember when World Youth Day in in, um, in Brazil, Pope Francis said, when the Lord sent the disciples out, he never sent them out on their own. Mm. He sent them out as a team. And I think the best way for Catholics to be involved is associate yourself with a lot of the really good pro-life organisations that are out there. Follow SPUC. Don't try and be pro-life on your own. Yeah. Follow SPUC. Yeah. Follow... Um, um, <laughs> follow... Uh, um, the Cardinal Winning Pro-Life Initiative. Mm. Follow March for Life uh, this weekend. Mm. We're going down to London for the March for Life and there'll be thousands for, yeah. for that. Follow um, Rachel's Vineyard. Follow all of these um, life, all these, there's so many. Yeah. If you go down to London for the for the March for Life, you'll see so many pro-life organisations yeah. there. So get involved in a pro-life organisation mm. and then just um, follow them and do, do what you can. Do what you can, exactly. And finally, Bishop John, what can, um, in your opinion, what is the most important thing that Catholics can do to protect unborn babies and um, mothers from abortion? I mean, maybe, maybe realise it's the number one issue. Mm. I mean, it is the number one. The, we're, we're in a world just now where there, are a, there is a marketplace of social justice issues. Uh, and yeah. there are so many to choose from that you can sometimes be mesmerised. You almost have sort of compassion fatigue if you watch daytime TV. Mm. So many of the adverts are about this social justice cause, that, the next one. But um, the pro-life is, is number one. Uh, mm. If you don't have a right to life, mm. um, every other life is, every other right is meaningless. I remember when I was growing up as a, a teenager and there's lots of things that I was questioning about the church and mm. uh, theology, uh, you know, as, as young people do. But I've honestly got to say, uh, maybe this is just me, one that I never questioned was pro-life. It just seems so logical mm. to me. If you, if you um, get to the point, if society gets to the point where it says there are some living human beings who are not persons, Right. That's a really dangerous position mm -hmm. to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw it in, uh, in 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 America the past with the with the with the slave trade. Mm -hmm. They were living; they were human beings, but they weren't persons. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you could treat them differently from any other human beings, and you could treat them more negatively than other human beings. Well, no one denies after conception mm -hmm. it's living, it's human, and it's a being. No one denies mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, now. We've seen in the past what happens when you don't attribute um, the values, uh, uh, inalienability, inviolability, uniqueness, dignity to a living human being. So mm -hmm. I think, what, 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 how do we get Catholics? Well, number one issue. Mm -hmm. And every other issue can be traced back 
to the right to life. To the right to life, great. Bishop John has been fantastic speaking with you today and you've really opened our eyes to the pro-life values within the Catholic Church. So um, thank you again for thank coming into the studio. Really do appreciate it. So yeah, thank you. Thanks everyone for joining us today at Uplift. Tune in again next week where we'll have more influential guests joining me in studio.